Thank you very much, Anthony, for giving me opportunity to interview you for my YouTube channel and podcast. No problem. So I've gone through your profile and I came to know that you work in Microsoft and you're working in Microsoft from last uh, three years, six months. Actually, no, it's been about all up. It's been about 13 years. So I was at Microsoft as a partner um, for a couple of years and then I left and I went to Samsung uh, and then returned back at Microsoft uh, full time. Uh, full time, it'll be about nine years at the end of this month. Awesome. So before talking about you and uh, your work, work experience, can you please introduce yourself to my audience? Yeah, sure. So Anthony Bartolo, uh, I'm a senior cloud advocate with Microsoft. I'm based out of uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, um, but I you know, service the, the globe. I, I um, get to speak with all of you uh, around the globe. Obviously, it's been virtual for the last couple of years, um, but prior to we had a tour uh, that we would actually come to your city and uh, talk to everyone and it was such an awesome opportunity to learn from everybody uh, in terms of the way that they implement technology and then to share that knowledge with everybody else around the world. Um, I'm part of engineering and the responsibility that I have is to work with uh, specifically uh, for my role to work with faculty and students uh, in the adoption of technology and the understanding of technology uh, and to enable students to achieve what their what their desires are what their uh, imagination creates for them in terms of solutions or something to address an, an opportunity uh, using Microsoft solutions. Great. So you started your career as IT manager. So yes, uh, way back when uh, at a uh, the mobile carrier uh, here in Canada, Rogers, uh, I was part of the IT team. Um, in essence, you know, going through servers, making sure that uh, connectivity was right. Um, we had, you know, these computers that were the point of sale systems, making sure that they were all, all online. Uh, and then what was interesting was a device called a BlackBerry, uh, or at that time, a Research in Motion, a RIM 950 became available, which was this pager-like device that had um, a, a, a AA battery uh, and then would receive email on the hip. And that's where my career in terms of technology really took off beyond just the IT piece, because it was how are we now incorporating this device into architecture securely to enable the um, receipt of email uh, on your hip? Um, obviously, it's very timely because BlackBerry just retired their, their architecture uh, two days ago. Uh, so if you have a BlackBerry 7 OS device or BlackBerry 10 OS device, unfortunately, those devices will, not, will no longer work, but the Android devices still do. Um, from there, you know, went from BlackBerry to iPhone to Android to Windows Mobile, Windows Phone, uh, you know, dabbled a little bit in uh, Nokia's platform uh, with their Symbian uh, technology OS, uh, dabbled a little bit in WebOS and PalmOS, um, seen all the mobile flavors. Uh, the real power, the real enablement came when cloud computing became more mainstream and the ability to not, not only um, utilize the power of the mobile device, but you're using the power of, you know, systems in the cloud, architecture in the cloud, computing in the cloud to achieve all such sorts of, sorts of wonderful and creative things in, in terms of addressing opportunities and solving problems. Great. And uh, you worked as a general manager, uh, B2B solutions sales, June 2002 to 2007, five, five years, two months. Yep. It's, it, uh, there was um, similar roles at Rogers and at Samsung. Um, it was all about sitting down with 
you know, organizations and, and uh, people of industry understanding what their challenges were, understanding, you know, having a good understanding of what they wanted to accomplish first, right? A lot of organizations see that the latest and greatest technology gets released and they want to implement that, include that into their offering, but they don't really know how it correlates to what they're trying to accomplish as an opportunity. Uh, so my role over the years was to sit down with these individuals or these organizations and really understand what are they trying to accomplish? What is the root problem they're trying to address or what is the, the opportunity they're trying to address prior to the addition of technology? Uh, there is a practice I call uh, envisioning where you're actually going through and defining what is the problem or opportunity that you want to address? And this is something I've done throughout my career, which is very important. Too many people rush off and just add on technology for the sake of adding on technology. You're hearing advancements in AI, machine learning, um, mixed reality or augmented reality. And a lot of people get excited and they want to add it on and then go through that costly venture without realizing that this is not really going to fit my needs in terms of what I want to accomplish. So my role over the years has been such that working with these organizations and with these customers to really adhere to what are you trying to accomplish? And then let's look at the technology as a part of the solution as opposed to being the, the, uh, the pinpoint of the solution. Great, and uh, you worked uh, uh, as a Discover Communications and Innovation for nine, nine years, two months. Yeah, you're, you're going way back, so that's, uh, in essence, the start of my career uh, in technology. Um, that was the whole, you know, entry level IT, working on point of sale systems, working on architecture that they had at the time, um, you know, ensuring that they're able to do transactions, uh, activations of mobile phones. So Discover Communications is a, uh, a dealer. Um, so one of the um, uh, privately owned dealers that sells on behalf of Rogers uh, out in, the, in, in Canada. And uh, that was, in essence, my, my start into technology in terms of a career. Great. And uh, then you worked as an application specialist at uh, Rogers Communication to 2007 to 2009. Yep. And that's, and that's the part where we're looking at the implementation of technology to address opportunities or problems, right? So that was the start off with the BlackBerry and how that, you know, enabled individuals to have email on their hip and then the security requirements around that and the management capabilities around that. And then iPhone was introduced and Android was introduced. And it's just the further adoption of all, all those types of technologies. Um, the last projects I was doing while I was at Rogers was centered around IoT and how IoT would encapsulate at that time a 3G radio uh, for connectivity to report back information through Rogers pipe uh, back to whatever system to understand the data that's coming in or to automate a solution. And uh, you worked as partner engagement manager, Windows Phone, Microsoft Canada, 2009 to 2011. So that was my first role inside of Microsoft, um, you know, work with the team on Windows Mobile, Windows Phone on behalf of Canada. Um, it was a very exciting experience, learned a lot uh, in regards to product adoption and product creation and solutions uh, enablement. Um, it was, a, it was a different time uh, in terms of the way that we were looking at computing because at that time, computing was a destination. You were doing a lot of the calculations and the compute cycles on the device itself. Uh, Windows Phone, you know, arguably still had one of the greatest interfaces made available uh, in regards to simplicity and, and ease of access to, get, to gain access to your data uh, that you require to do your day-to-day -day activities. Um, but we learned very quickly that, you know, the whole aspect of just having, worrying about the endpoint in terms of, 
computation, it, it's better to have that ability to service uh, all through the cloud and let individuals choose which devices they want to use. And uh, you worked as a manager and uh, uh, VP, sorry, VP Business Development, uh, Castle Rock Research Corporation, 2012 to 2013. So that was my first foray into the education space in terms of how do we enable students to have the right tools to learn. Um, at that time, it wasn't really specifically around technology. It was more around basic curriculum, so math, English, science. Um, it, it was the ability to have automation around when the students are completing tasks, completing their exercises, completing their tests, having a real-world dashboard in terms of analysis of what is the student doing well, what does the student need help with. You know, too many times we wait for these report cards for our, um, our children uh, to, to know, okay, how are they doing inside of school? And the touch point's not really there in regards to a daily update or a weekly update in terms of, well, how is your son or daughter doing at school? What help do they need? Uh, this solution that I was working with at the time was that enablement of having that real-time access to a dashboard in terms of, okay, so my child is doing well in math, but in math they're suffering in fractions or they need better um, understanding of geometry. And you were able to pinpoint that, that type of capability. It was intriguing because at that time it was prior to real adoption of artificial intelligence. It was more so just on the reporting piece in terms of what the student is doing well at, what the student is deficient at, and how, you know, as a parent and as a teacher can come together as a, uh, and provide a plan to help that student do better. And uh, you worked as a senior audience uh, evangelism uh, manager. It was so for that was, Yep, so that was the start of my evangelism career uh, in regards to how do we share the information that we have with the world? How do we learn? Uh, in terms of the different ways of the uh, adoption with the world. Um, you know, evangelism is not just about sharing content and, and speaking about, you know, what Microsoft has to offer. Evangelism is, you know, 70% listing, 30% sharing. Uh, and it's understanding the problems that people have and, you know, the way that they're trying to ad adopt technology, uh, security requirements, security concerns, um, complexities, having all that understanding and then bringing in the experience that you have being from Microsoft uh, and seeing how the technology correlates and in, in finding that conversation with that individual or with that organization or with that audience to say, how can we do this journey together? Uh, and both of us learn in terms of the adoption of the technology to meet the needs that you have. So you understand as a senior cloud uh, advocate, you understand uh, uh, all the services in cloud? No, 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 not at all. So it's interesting, right? I, and I hear this a lot. Oh, you're a cloud advocate. Does that mean you know the entire cloud? The cloud is vast. There are so many facets in terms of technology enablement and services and capabilities that the cloud provides. And it'd be, you'd be very hard pressed to be an expert at it all. Um, I don't think I'm an expert at any of it. I think I am a individual that knows about it and I know about um, you know, capabilities and services, and I know a lot more, uh, a lot of people that are a lot more smarter than me uh, in regards to their depths and their uh, capabilities and their knowledge. Um, but I love learning from individuals like yourself and those around the world uh, just to see how they perceive technology and how they adopt technology. Uh, case in point, uh, the many trips I've taken to South America, specifically Sao Paulo, Brazil, 
understanding how they are, you know, cloud first. They, you know, they understand that the, the power of the cloud, they understand the power of the microtransaction. Micro and so the adoption of cloud technology was, was very easy for them because they really grasped the capability of, I don't have to have hardware inside of my architect, inside of my infrastructure, sorry. I don't have to manage a server anymore. I can have everything up in the cloud, have seamless access, seamless secure access to all my data as required, build out applications to work on tablets, mobile devices, in car and vehicle, you name it, whatever it has a screen uh, and a processor to, to enable that, that functionality, um, work with you know, organizations in Japan. Uh, in terms of their uh, rapid adoption of technology, a lot of IoT uh, and automation capabilities out there. Uh, the enablement is huge in regards to power platform, uh, just for the capability of having a quick proof of concept created uh, to test out a theory, uh, something that, you know, in Japan, that they, they do a lot. And so there's a lot of interest into, into, into that capability. To be an expert at one thing, uh, it's, it's very difficult these days because a lot of it meshes in together. I think what I excel at is the ability to see all the technologies that come into play, understand what the opportunity or problem somebody's trying to address and work with them in architecting a solution that meets their needs, but also provides them the ability to have that room to grow and expand that solution moving forward. So uh, as a senior cloud advocate, so what is the, what is the biggest uh, uh, project that you uh, handled and, uh, and uh, that you cannot forget? So there's been a lot of projects. Um, the biggest, the most impactful project I'm going to say uh, was the work that we did with the Missing Children's Society of Canada. Uh, the project itself was a solution that enabled law enforcement here in Canada to have a better uh, way to capture information on a child when they've gone missing. Uh, so the solution is, is such that when a child is in distress, they have the ability to uh, put out there on social media, hashtag HFM, which stands for Help Find Me, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on pretty much any platform uh, that's on social media uh, uh, has. And once that's issued out, it immediately creates a dossier on that child, you know, who the child has been in conversation with, the uh, context or, or the sentiment of that conversation. Uh, over 70% of abductions occur through conversations that occur on, on, uh, with romantic intent. Um, you know, breadcrumbs in terms of where the child has traveled or where the child has been uh, in terms of GPS, which is a GPS stamp that's captured on every uh, uh, social platform. It was a big project because the technology was there. The ability to do that capability is there. But there's a lot of uh, learning around ethics in terms of that adoption. Um, you can do it, but is it the right thing to do based on privacy, based on freedom of information? Um, there was a lot of learnings that we did with the law enforcement to understand you know, we can capture this information. We can cap this in, capture this information quickly. Uh, what used to take um, law enforcement up to a month to gather this type of information, we can get this down to about 24 to 48 hours now in terms of that, that information capture. But there's a lot of permissions that are required. You know, are we allowed to gain access to that information? Are, do we have permission of the individual that's posted that information on social to gain access to that information? What is the red tape around you know, the individuals that they're speaking to or conversing with, do we have the ability to access that information through that platform? Is the permission of the child enough? And these are all the things that we have to take in consideration. It was a, it was a huge learning uh, in that just because the technology exists and the capability is there, also have to be ethically responsible 
uh, in terms of the capture of that information and how that information is even handled by law enforcement because law enforcement can't just receive that information. It has to be assigned to a docket file, to a, a police report. There's a, there's a whole bunch of things that have to uh, come into play. So I think from a perspective of impact, that was a, a huge opportunity and, and one of the, the bigger impact solutions that I was on. Uh, we offer the entire solution up as open source. Uh, the Missing Children's Society of Canada have now partnered with a Microsoft partner, Esri, uh, and they've continued on with the solution. They've continued to build that solution. Uh, we've had um, agencies in the UK uh, and agencies in Brazil also reach out uh, with inquiries based on the open source offering in terms of customization and how they can build on top of it. Very proud of that solution because it's really helping uh, law enforcement around the world bring kids back home. You are into Microsoft from last 13 years. You are you are seeing the gradual change, uh, the the growth and uh, and uh, how uh, uh, the Microsoft products are reaching everywhere on this planet. So, what do you think that is uh, making things possible? It's you. It's you. It's everybody that's out there um, that are providing their their input, providing their voice. Uh, in terms of what's needed, what opportunities that they want to address, what problems they want to address. Um, prior to, you know, we, we did this thing for a long time at Microsoft where we would say this is where technology is going. We would build out Windows 8 and, and have those type of solutions. And it became a problem because it was our vision of the future, but it wasn't the world's vision of the future. And so we have to learn really quickly in regards to, hey, Let's start listening into what people want to achieve. Let's start listening into what the problems are that they're facing and build the technology around that as opposed to, here's a new widget that you want, you should go and run with because it does X, Y, and Z, but that doesn't meet the needs of anybody, so nobody adopts it, right? It, it, it was a very big change uh, at Microsoft in regards to this capability of listening. Uh, and it's something that, you know, has been well received by the audience and we're very, appreciative uh, of the input that a lot of people have provided us uh, and please keep it coming because this is something that really you know fires up our engineers in terms of the services that we create and also uh, microsoft azure uh, cloud services also uh, 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 the, the 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 number of people have uh, increased in last few years what is what is that particular thing that is that is uh, making microsoft to earn so many people so a lot of factors to that. Um, the, the adoption of cloud technology is such that it makes it a lot easier for people to adopt technology. And then with the pandemic, uh, we had to discover new ways to work. Uh, a lot of people are working from home now. A lot of people are unable to travel. Um, you know, how do we have secure communication? How do we have secure access to data? With all those needs and the digital transformation that we've experienced over the last 24 months, it really required us to think differently in terms of how do we address this now? How do we address this? problem that everybody's facing that I need to work from home. The information I need to work with is very sensitive. You know, how do I ensure that my home network is secure? Because, you know, for some uh, somebody at home to invest in a, in a very verbose, secure architecture, it's very costly, right? And it's not, um, you know, something that everybody can, can implement at their own home. So how do we think about that? And so because of that change, it really saw rapid growth in terms of the adoption of Azure and the, the um, creation of new services to address 
this type of opportunity, this this type of challenges, you know, around security detection, security authentication, uh, right down to IoT devices and the way that they capture information, uh, you know, may, may not be able to be on site anymore due to restrictions. So how do we ensure that the devices stay running and that they're secure and only the data is only being seen by those that uh, require it to be seen? And then there's the ability of um, governance and how am I ensuring that my investment is being kept within the, the realm of what I've, I've budgeted for this investment? And how do I ensure that only specific individuals have access to this information? And if an information leak occurs, how, do, how can I uh, do the forensics and understanding of how this leak occurred in the first place? Who gained access to that information? And who, you know, who or what service leaked that information? Where was the, the hole that shared that information that shouldn't have? Uh, that's really spearheaded the growth uh, that Microsoft has been seeing around the Azure uh, offering in terms of that enablement. And that's why, you know, to be an expert of all things is very difficult because there's so much to learn, there's so much to know. And I'm so privileged to have, you know, like individuals like yourself, like yourself that are passionate about technology that I can learn from in terms of how you adopt it and how you share it with the world. What is our connection between human and technology and where we are? when it comes to technology? So that's an interesting question. A lot of people talk about technology as the replacement for humans in day-to-day -day lives in terms of activities and work and what have you. The way that I see it is the enablement of technology allows us to do more. It allows us to experience new thrills, new experiences. The, the, the example in terms of the pandemic is, you know, a lot of us are traveling less. And so, it's harder for us to be in the real world to experience the construction of a new building or the um, how to repair a vehicle or you know how to cook a meal, right? And so you know we're relying more on technology to have that capability and that enablement. You know, prior to to cook a meal, you would have to have a cookbook or you know scribble on a napkin in terms of the recipe. Now you go to the internet and there's thousands of recipes there. Um, you're now seeing cooking classes where individuals you know cook in their own kitchen but they're connected uh through teams or through what their platform of choice to have that ability to cook amongst friends or cook amongst uh classmates uh when you're when you're cooking uh, the technology enables us to do more to have that availability but as i mentioned before it should never be a destination it should never be a i'm going to incorporate you know artificial intelligence to complete x because i've always seen that fail i've always seen that you know it has to be part of your solution after you understand what the opportunity is. And that's how you really enable humans in, in the world uh, in regards to them being able to achieve more because the technology is there. With the technology being there, the ability to understand more of the information that comes in, make better choices in regards to doing activities or not to do activities. That's really where the enhancement comes in with the technology piece. I don't see it replacing our day-to-day -day activities. I just see it doing a lot more for us to accomplish better results uh, and to accomplish more at the end of the day. So what, what is your contribution in the uh, evolution of technology? My contribution has been all about understanding and listening and seeing what's there that can address the opportunities and problems that the world brings uh, to us uh, in regards to this is what we want to address. Um, my contribution is the listening aspect, right? The, the ability to really 
tune into, well, this is the challenges that they're facing. Is there a pattern in terms of that challenge around the world? Or is this, you know, something that's net new that nobody has seen yet? Um, is this something that needs to be addressed immediately or there, do we have time to address this? Um, think of myself as, um, are, you, are you a big football fan, like a soccer, yeah, a European yeah. soccer fan, right? So think of me as the goalie. And as the goalie, you see the positioning of all your players and you're always calling out, hey, cover that guy over there, cover that girl. Uh, she, you know, the, the striker on the other team, she's going to be a problem. You have that ability to call out that strategy because you see how the players are, form, are formulating on the field. Doing this role is very, very similar in that I'm the goalie and behind me is all the technology and I can see in front of me and hear from my players, this is what they're trying to accomplish. They want to score a goal. But the positioning that the team is in is such that, well, they're not going to score a goal this way because the the opposing team knows that we're going to strike this way. So having the understanding of the technology behind me allows me to say, hey, striker, over there, left wing, over there, and position better because I have the ability to um, go to the coach and say, hey, coach, what technology do we have available to address the opportunity that's in front of us right now? So how you are able to have these two qualities, communicating with machine and communicating with human? Um, communicating with machine is based on the requirements that humans have. So it's a perspective of communicating with humans first, understanding what they're trying to achieve first, and then going back to machine and relaying that message to machine and, and working with other humans to enable the machine to address those opportunities, right? It, it's a bi-directional communication through, you know, humans and, and machines. And it's something where being in the middle and, and having that transition uh, or translation between what human needs and what machine can do uh, is something of, of, you know, very fortunate to have this opportunity to do that. Um, and it's, it's something where being mindful of what humans want to accomplish really ensures that the activities that are done with machine are successful. As a, as a human beings, are we able to create uh, 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 things or products uh, which, uh, which, which completely reduces the uh, human's physical and mental effort? So I, I, so I want to say no, only because when machines enable us to do more, when there's artificial intelligence enabling us to do more, we are very, you know, imaginative. We're very creative. We, we ensure that once something has been addressed, what's the next step and what's the next mode and what's the next level? I don't think any of us would sit idle uh, if, you know, specific tasks were done by machines. I think we would create more, do more, enable more. Uh, the, the opportunities grow, the capabilities grow, and that comes additional complexity. It, it, I don't think it'll be a we're you know replaced in the workforce i think it'll be we'll be able to do more creative things we'll be able to have more types of functionality around what we do in our day-to-day -day activities today enhanced by what machine learning and artificial intelligence bring to the table so i don't see it as a replace i see it as an add-on and additional capabilities brought forward so you're you're seeing the change of what is happening you know the last year what happened next year what happened you 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 have some idea you are into it from long time and uh, you know how things are working how uh, uh, human is uh, adopting to the new new technologies new things uh, changing the lifestyle 
everything. So what is going to be the next after this? That's the thing. It's it, the next after this is based on you and the, you know the world in terms of their creativity and what they want to keep, uh, what they want to create or make capable. Or it's by everybody's imagination in terms of what's next. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of cryptocurrency and NFT adoption. We're seeing a lot of mixed reality and augmented reality adoption. Um, all these technologies require you know huge compute power. Uh, all these technologies require immense amounts of security. Right, social media, TikTok has, you know, huge. Um, how is that data being used, being captured, being secured? Um, you know, it, it's something where there isn't a end technology. It's all, you know, we achieve this. So we achieve mixed reality and augmented reality, and we achieve it in a hundred, a uh, hundred by hundred square meter um, uh, area. But then how do we then relate that to the world, right? And that's where the geomapping and other technologies come into play. It's, it's to that point where, like, like we talked about just a minute ago, I don't see technology replacing us. I see technology enhancing what we're doing. And by that same thought, there is no real end goal in sight in terms of technology. Um, what we see today in terms of augmented reality and mixed reality, maybe it comes into something where it's you don't need glasses or a headset um, to, to have that type of experience maybe just becomes part of the real world in terms of that augmented uh, reality enablement, right? Um, what I do see is the, as we move forward, how, how we absorb technology into our day-to-day -day activities. You know, back in the days, long time ago, computing was a destination. I would go to my desk and work on my computer. Now, if you have a, a smartphone, you can do it pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, the, the whole aspect of in-vehicle uh, in technology, the ability to do uh, GPS coordination or where's the nearest gas station, or I've seen vehicles that are able to schedule their own oil changes, right? It's just how technology is being absorbed by the general population is that much easier. And that enablement allows for further imagination and further creativity. I don't see an end in sight. I don't see a, desk, uh, a final goal. I'm just excited by what the world dreams up as next. Uh, in terms of that technology uh, enablement. So how uh, uh, Microsoft is creating products uh, and things uh, which connects with the psychology of human? It's, it's all uh, based on understanding a need. So what is the what is the general public understand in terms of technology and capabilities and what are their needs uh, in terms of that enablement? And that's what Microsoft focuses on in terms of uh, creation of new services. Um, it's something where we talk about there's this challenge, children are going missing, and we have this opportunity to incorporate technology to help with that, but there's a lot of ethical questions that need to be addressed and a lot of security uh, in terms of the data itself needs to be addressed. And so in understanding that, services are built, uh, capabilities are enabled to address that as opposed to just, hey, we're gonna take machine learning on, we're gonna incorporate all this information, but you're now inf infringing on people's rights. It, it, it's something where the listening aspect is, is very important in terms of that creation, in terms of that evolution. And so it becomes such that when we have this enablement, when we have this understanding we, and we get the, the uh, buy-in from multiple parties, customers, IT departments, developers, business decision makers, technologists, you name it, uh, it it's something where coming together to build out the solution for the greater, greater good, understanding the patterns that others could take advantage of in terms of the solutions that's, that's now been created. 
enables everyone. And that's where we see the evolution between man and machine and humans and machine uh, moving forward. So before 13 years, have you ever thought that uh, the, the, the real world is going to be in the uh, virtual world, which is on which you are working, cloud computing? Have you thought that? I've been in the virtual world a long time. Uh, playing video games, in essence, is the virtual world, right? You know, playing Halo 1, the original Xbox. Uh, you're immersing yourself as Master Chief in a, in, a, in a full virtual environment. Yes, you're on a specific path and you have to sp complete a specific task, but you're experiencing a whole new world uh, through the eyes of your character on your Xbox. Same could be said, you know, on an Atari 2600 for Pac-Man and you're running through a maze, right? Uh, it's been around a long time. What's been interesting is the, the as we move forward in the wants and the needs and the complexity of those wants and needs and augmented reality to have that more enriched experience as opposed to the 2D Pac-Man character that's going through a maze. Uh, it, it's something where, how do we address that? How do we incorporate that technology? Where do I see this all going? It's, it just becomes more and more uh, immersed into our day-to-day -day activities. You know, you're seeing smart toasters that will toast your toast in a specific grade of color uh, in terms of how, how dark or light your toast is gonna be uh, in, in its toasting. It, it, sky's the limit in terms of the capability, but again, it goes down to, you know, what people understand technology is and what the actual need is uh, that they need to accomplish. Understanding group thinking is very tough, but what is working for Microsoft to reach the group? So, so give me a little bit more context. What do you mean by group thinking? The products that that uh, Microsoft is creating is reaching maximum number of people. Uh, how 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 it is possible? So that goes back to the whole listening exercise, right? So. In understanding what people are trying to accomplish and what opportunities or problems they're trying to solve, uh, we then go you know, take a step back and say, okay, what are the patterns that we see in terms of these problems or opportunities around the world? We're hearing this, you know, here in Canada, and you know, we're hearing this in uh, Australia, and we're hearing this in Italy, and we're hearing this in France. Uh, how are we then taking that approach? That okay, we're hearing the similarities in terms of the problems that they, they're facing. We then, you know, build out that technology with the input of those individuals and those groups uh, in terms of the, uh, the capabilities and the functionality, and then taking that, you know, back to our audience and say, okay, we've created this now. Let's work together to see how this is adopted and the problems that you come up with in terms of this adoption, so that everybody, you know, is a solution going to meet everybody's needs 100%? No. But if you do the line share of 70% to 80% addressment, and then you know the, the 30, 30 to 20% customization of that capability, you're pretty much in a, in a group fashion solving a lot of people's um, problems or opportunities with these services. Again, based on their feedback. So how uh, how these technologists are uh, making things possible in this industry? So. With the addressment of those problems or opportunities, it allows then those those individuals that have that problem uh, to address it in such a way that you know it's a problem that's been faced by a lot of people. Um, it's something where you know Microsoft has seen that need to create that solution, create that technology. Uh, Microsoft provides the resources in terms of documentation, videos, uh, individuals as well uh, to to work with 
you know, these organizations in terms of the adoption to solve those problems. And, and, and it's all about that learning aspect too. Once it's been implemented, how is it working? Is there challenges? Is there problems? Is there additional functionality that's now requested because the initial problem or opportunity has now grown to something else because of the inclusion of technology? There's a lot of factors in terms of that. What you don't understand about Azure Cloud? Well, there's many facets or many aspects I don't understand about Azure Cloud, and uh, it all comes down to you know having the the resources available. Uh, tools like Microsoft Learn, um, tools that uh, like Microsoft Learn TV, uh, docs.microsoft.com, techcommunity.microsoft.com, all these serve as resources to learn. Um, you know everything from hands-on to watching videos to reading referenceable material. Um, if there is something that you don't understand or you know that, that you have questions about, uh, tech community, huge opportunity in terms of forums and collaborating with Microsoft employees, with Microsoft MVPs, uh, with student ambassadors, which is also awesome. Students are also participating. Uh, the general public has that access to that a resource to ask questions and to read articles that are written by many individuals from around the world, uh, all sharing their passions, all sharing their information. You know, from an aspect of technology, there's a lot that a lot of us don't know, uh, me included. And so having resources like that helps to understand about the technology and then working with resources like community really enable that functionality of, I'm not the expert at it, but this individual is, and she can go in and, and enable that, or this individual can go in and, and help me walk through the steps to enable it themselves. Can I say in future, uh, Microsoft is going to uh, 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 make all the physical things disappear? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't think we're going to really have physical items disappear. Uh, at least I hope not, because I love to drive vehicles. So uh, I, you know, I, I hope I'm able to drive for a long time. Um, it, it's something where needs will change based on the technology that's available. When we're at a where we're at a situation where something is now being replaced in terms of the use of technology, the needs of specific functionality or specific tasks will start to change, will start to evolve. You know, technology as a whole has an effect on society in terms of its enablement. And so because of that effect of change, our needs will change based on what technology is available. Uh, and so that need is always going to be there. It'll just evolve and be different at every time. Uh, why Microsoft is connected only with human beings? Uh, okay, that's an interesting question. Who else would they be connected to? Other species. Hmm. So that's an interesting question. There, Microsoft is connected with a lot of beings, not just human beings. We're also connected with, you know, projects that help us understand migration patterns of birds. Um, we've done projects with large organizations to ensure that animals are, are kept safe um, and not trafficked. Um, there's, you know, it's not just humans. I think humans um, have the most, get the most out of the technology because they understand what the technology does. Um, you know, tracking of the wild rhinos uh, out in out in Africa, um, it, it enables them the, the the rhinos to stay safe, but they're not aware of the technology doing it, right? So 
while there is a connection with that rhino because we're tracking to ensure that the rhino is staying within specific areas so they, they can't be harmed by poachers, um, they are being affected and we are connected to that rhino to ensure that that rhino stays safe. So it's not just human beings that Microsoft connects uh, with. There's a lot of uh, entities that we, we talk to and we uh, connect with. Uh, some may or may not realize that we do it though. We are saving the information in the data centers and uh, on this planet. So what about other than planet? Where we are going? How much uh, away we went uh, when it comes to technology? What uh, the, when it comes to information? So sky's the limit, right? In terms of creativity, um, you've probably seen experiments in terms of uh, having our Azure data center, Azure data centers reside in the ocean. Uh, we are now working on a solution that also allows for data to be trans, uh, transmitted and captured through space uh, outside of uh, on, on, on Earth itself. Um, we're looking at many different ways to have that enablement of data, uh, but again, it's limited by creativity. Uh, so, you know, the imagination that people have uh, in terms of the enablement of uh, data use and data capture and data storage, it's all it all comes to how creative uh, an individual or a group can be. Uh, and for a solution to be something that ad addresses a worldwide issue or problem. What do what do technologists, the upcoming tech leaders, need to put in their mind uh, 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 in future? Lead with the problem or opportunity first, and then and then once you understand that, then apply technology. Never lead with technology first because it won't address all the requirements and needs that you have. It'll only create new problems. So if you really want to solve a problem with technology, understand what you're trying to accomplish first and have that game plan, and then look at the, the uh, offerings that are available in terms of technology to address it. And how close we are going to create technology uh, when it comes to human Sorry, I don't understand that question. The the human abilities, human capabilities, uh, the human emotions, feelings. Uh, uh, how much? How much? Uh, with the with this AI, artificial intelligence machine, how much close we are going to uh, 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 be uh, with this natural created species called human? So, sky's the limit. Again, based on creativity. Um, I know we have a solution uh, through Azure Cognitive Services that understands sentiment. Um, you know, can understand, you know, in the case of missing children, understand ro uh, romantic intent. Um, when is it going to be at, at parity? I don't I don't have a timeline for that. Uh, is there a need for it to be at parity? I don't know if anybody's asked or any group has asked for that as of yet. Again, it all it's all based on what the needs are to address the opportunities that are out there. The capability is there. Um, I know in terms of sentiment specifically, it's at its infancy, um, but if you know there's a push for it and there's a more of a need for it, it will evolve. And uh, at last, uh, your message to the world who is watching and listening to this conversation. Uh, I'm going to steal a line from Satya Nadella himself. Uh, don't be a know-it-all, be a learn-it-all. Drive your passions through learning and understanding and connecting with the world. Everybody has something to teach. Everybody has something to share. Make sure you're the individual that's listening uh, and understanding 
before you prescribe the solution that you have. And what do you say about my questioning in this conversation? Oh, it was a very interesting uh, questioning set. Um, I really enjoyed the connection between human and technology and how the balance uh, comes into play and where we're going with it. So it was pretty cool. And what do you say about my videos? Have you seen any videos of mine on YouTube? I've seen a couple. Um, they're really cool. Uh, it's great conversations you've had with a lot of individuals uh, in regards to their careers and understanding where they're going and where they're moving to uh, and what they're trying to accomplish. So uh, I did master's in software engineering and uh, graduation in computer science and engineering. How does uh, me talking with different country people who are into different professions, who are experts like you, who are into the top companies in the world and are trying to create something very big, so me trying to talk with them, trying to acquire knowledge, try to uh, try to understand how things work, all this information, how this is going to helpful for me if I uh, work in uh, tech in coming days. At the end of the day, it's what do you want to get out of it? What what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want to uh, take away from the information that's shared? A lot of individuals on you know this talk have shared a lot of information in terms of their knowledge and their capabilities. But at the end of the day, it's you know you who will take all that information and ingest it that meets your opportunity or the problem that you're trying to address. And so it'd be interesting to see, based on all the video series that you do, where you take it from here, and what and what you accomplish or what you create uh, based on your imagination and based on your learnings that you've had with all these video series, uh, where you want to go next. Uh, thank you, Anthony, for giving me your valuable time and uh, spending, uh, spending uh, uh, your valuable experience and answering some of my questions. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Yes. And also, can I put this video and audio clip on my podcast, website, internet, social media, everywhere with your permission? Yes, that's fine. Thank you, sir. Keep going, keep doing what you'd love and at the same time, keep inspiring the world like this. Same with you. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.